Thank you for joining us to hear today's message. At Faith Assembly, our passion and purpose is loving people to life in Christ. To find out more information, visit our website, faithnewcumberland.com. Well, it's great to be here today, and uh, we're in a series called Shape. Last week, Jess started the series, and this series is all about us discovering who God has made us to be, how God has wired us, and we are all wired uniquely, you know, some more uniquely than others, we might think, right? And But we're all designed and created uniquely for God's purpose, for His glory, to serve other people. And uh, maybe you've, you've felt like you just struggled finding your place in life, finding your purpose. And our prayer is over these next few weeks that you just discover that. Discover your God-given purpose, what God has for you to do on this earth to, to bring glory to Him, to bring fulfillment to yourself, but also to serve other people with a gift. So Jess started last week talking about spiritual gifts. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go on our website or on the iTunes podcast. You can listen to that audio of the sermon. There's also the assessment is online, and we might have some more copies in the lobby as well. You can take that assessment, uh, discovering what your spiritual gifts are. When we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us, and the Bible says deposits spiritual gifts in us. So what are those gifts that God has given to you by his Holy Spirit? And uh, we'd encourage you, if you're able to, let us know what that is if on your response card today. You can let us know your top three or four or five, whatever those top ones are in your life, those spiritual gifts that God's given mm-hmm. to you. Uh, maybe you're doing it at home. You can just email us at faithnewcumberland at gmail.com and let us know that as well. We'd love to just hear what God's doing in your life and how you're just discovering how God has created you to be. Today, uh, Chris is coming to preach on our heart and our abilities, our passion. Another way to say it is heart and our abilities. So God takes all those things of our life. He shapes us. He forms us. And he brings, uh, he, he uses us for his honor and for his glory. So can you bring, give my beautiful no, wife, Krista, a warm welcome this morning? Hey. So, hello. You can hear me. I'll talk louder in just a minute. Don't you worry. (laughs) Well, as Josh just got finished saying, you know, last week we had started this shape and just, just really spoke a powerful message about directing each of us to discover our spiritual gifts, okay? Now, did you discover what your spiritual gifts were? Anybody figure that out? Yeah? Well, if you want to talk to me later about it, I'll tell you what mine are. If you tell me yours. Anyways, so, you know what, whatever you do with those spiritual gifts, I pray that you would use them for the honor and for the glory of the Lord. You know, it was neat for me to be able to remind myself, you know, I've taken those tests before and it was just a really neat realization yet again of who God wired me to be. Sometimes I get a little like, God, why'd you make me this way? You know, there are times when I get into that, but when God, when we understand that God made us unique and special, he has just done so many great things. So this morning we're going to be talking about shape. So last week we talked about our spiritual gifts. Those are the set of special abilities. Okay. So spiritual gifts, that set of special abilities that God has given you to share his love with other people, to 
love and serve others. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the H and the A today. Um, this, the, the H is that special, the special passions that God has given to you so that you could glorify here, him here on earth. Those abilities, the set of talents that God gave you when you were born, which he also wants to use to make an impact for him. And then next week, Josh is going to come back and he's going to talk about personality. Now, I personally wanted to do personality, you know, but we're going to let him do that one. But that's a special way God wired you to navigate life and to fulfill your kingdom purpose. And then your experiences, those parts of your past, both positive and painful, that God intends for you to use in great ways, okay? But this morning, I'm going to focus on the H part of shape. Okay, and the A. Well, the H, of course, stands for heart, okay? Otherwise known as your passion. And But before I go any further, let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you today for this awesome opportunity to again learn at how you shaped us, how you wired us to be like you, Jesus. And God, I just pray that you would help us to discover our heart and our abilities so that we can use them for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're starting with the heart, okay? Your heart is where you are centered, where you desire to serve. Your heart refers to that thing that moves you, that, that empathetic part of your heart that, that drives you towards a certain group of people, maybe a field of expertise. It, it, it will give you to, uh, lend you to a type of service. Evaluating your heart will often determine where you might best use those spiritual gifts we learned about last week, so this all goes together, melts together, right? It helps you to determine where you might use your gifts, where you choose to serve, and who you choose to serve, okay? So all of these things kind of go together, but your abilities, okay, a lot of times I like to refer to it as your giftedness, how God has gifted you. Your giftedness or ability is something that you were born with. Often people will say to you, I was born to do this. Or maybe they'll tell you, oh man, Mike, you were born to do this, you know, because they see you doing something really like, and they know that you're good at it, okay? So let me get, and I'm gonna give you a couple examples from me, because most of you kind of know me at least a little bit, okay? So for example, one of you will probably say that one of Krista's talents is probably musical, okay? That is one of my talents. Um, since I could remember, I was singing. My mom is a fantastic singer, okay? So I grew up wanting to imitate her. And um, I, I would go and realize that this led me to singing in, in church, and then in school and in school musicals, The Sound of Music, you know, like Lisa, I am 16. Unfortunately, dancing's not one of my abilities. So that looked a little funny. But anyways, so um, I, you know, did that. And then in college, I was in choirs and other kind of traveling groups. And ultimately, that is now lead, you know, helping me to lead worship here in our congregation, right? So my ability is music.
musical, but my heart is worship. That's what this says. Your, your abilities, the, your heart and your abilities go hand in hand, okay? Because while your abilities often define what you can do, your heart tells you who you are, okay? So they, they gotta go together. Like me, my, my, my ability is music, but my heart is worship. And it's one of those beautiful ways that those things, they just kind of marry together really beautifully. You know, the Bible talks a lot about our hearts, our motives for why we do what we do. So before we discover our passions or our heart and and our abilities and giftednesses, I think it's important to take a look at God's word in Colossians 3, 23, 24. I'm going to give you a couple of moments to get there because I want you to take a look at this because it's, it's one thing to know how God has wired you, but it's another way to, it's another, it's a whole other thing to use that for God's glory. Colossians chapter three, verses 23 and 24 it says this, in my, in my New Living Translation, it says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and the master that you are serving is Christ. I also love how the NIV puts it. It says, it says this way, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Powerful word, right? Especially when we're talking about our heart and our abilities. And before any of you think this, okay? Everyone, yes, you and 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 you. Everyone has something they are passionate about. Everyone has something for which their heart beats. Everyone has a special ability to use for the honor and the glory of the kingdom of God. Too often, we put certain abilities up on a pedestal. Okay, we think that, oh, because I can't preach or I can't sing or because I can't do this or that, maybe I'm not a good cook, then, you know, whatever. God can use whatever you have for his kingdom purpose. You don't have to be in front of people. You could be behind the scenes. God uses those gifts and those abilities, that heart to serve people for his kingdom purpose. And you know what? Everyone is useful. Can you say that with me? Everyone is useful. Everyone is useful. Everyone has a gift. Say it with me. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has a gift. That's right. Everyone has a heart. Everyone has a heart. You are not. What was a tin man that didn't have a heart? No. You are not the tin man. Everyone has a heart. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone has a passion for something, okay? So don't ever walk out of here. Don't think, no way, that's not me. She is not talking to me. Well, yes, I am. I am talking to you because I want to read to you and want to recap a story from the book of Esther. How many of you have ever heard of Esther in the Bible? How many of you have ever heard of her, right? Well, what made her special? She was pretty, you know, right? Okay, so you, okay, hold on. Just let me, let me, let me recap the story for you. 
The book of Esther is this dramatic account, okay, that gives us insight into God's special purpose and plan, not just for Esther, but for you, okay? And as scripture tells us, Esther was a Jewish woman who was raised by her cousin Mordecai, okay? And you can read this story in the book of Esther. It's the whole book. It is a beautiful story, right? She was taken because the Persian government, they liked to overtake things at that time. And they were overtaking the different provinces of, of Israel. And they were, they were kidnapping, pretty much, these women and putting them in harems for the king. And that's exactly what happened to Esther. She was pretty much taken from her cousin Mordecai and put into this harem to be used by the king. Okay? However, Mordecai did not tell his King Xerxes that she was Jewish. They left that little detail out, okay? That'll come into handy a little bit later. Now, I don't know about you, but this is what I imagine about her, okay? Because this is what happened. The king fired his last queen and he chose Esther. He says, hmm, out of all of these women here, I choose you, He really only had her looks to go on, okay, right? So I imagine Esther being this drop-dead, gorgeous woman, okay, with flawless olive skin and this incredibly tantalizing personality. So she probably charmed King Xerxes so much that essentially after firing his prior queen, he could choose her, okay? And her abilities and her giftings won him over. But of course, as in every story, there's an antagonist or a punk, in other words, okay? And the punk in this story is Haman, okay? He is a vengeful, egotistical brat, okay? And he was an advisor to King Xerxes. And he hated Mordecai. He hated him because Mordecai walked past him, and God forbid he did not bow down to that Haman, okay? So he hated hated Mordecai. He hated him so much that he plotted to kill all of his people. He said in Esther 3.8 to his king Xerxes, he said, there's a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among all the people in the provinces of your kingdom whose customs are different from those of all other people and who do not obey the king's laws. So it is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. Okay, so pretty much these people, these Hebrews, these Israelites, these Jewish people, they're, they're different. Let's not tolerate them. Let's not tolerate them at all, okay? So what he did, unknowing to the real reason why Haman did this, okay, the king gave him the authority to handle it, okay? And so Haman, he, he decreed that on this certain day of some month and some year that all the Jewish people were to be eradicated, okay? They were the, the people, the, the soldiers were to go into all the Israelite villages and pretty much kill them off. It was terrible. Oh, that was a terrible plan. And guess who was Jewish? The queen, okay? So guess she had a death sentence and she knew it. But what could she do inside the palace? The king had not even requested her presence for a month, okay? Now, and back in those days, the king had to request your presence, even if you were his wife. Now, <laughs> poor Josh, he doesn't get that option, okay? I just come in, hey, honey, whatever I want, you know? But back then, the king did not, he, whatever he said, go, and you go into his presence without an invitation, off with the head, 
good, you know? So he did not request our presence for over a month. She was like, wait a second, did his affection for me like wane? Did I not charm him enough? Did I do that, not do the right thing? Is there someone else? Of all the Jews though, Esther was the only one with access to the king. So Mordecai had persuaded her, oh, please, Esther, please, please speak to the king on the behalf of the Jewish people. And you know what he did? He reminded her of her unique place in history and that her silence was not an option. So he reminded her in Esther 4.14 of this, who, who knows but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. So in other words, Mordecai lets Esther know that even her outer beauty was for a reason and would not go to waste. So Esther's like, okay, all right, got to do this, okay? But she knew that going to the king was unsolicited would be her death sentence. Anyone who came into the king's presence again, they would be eradicated. They would be, they would be killed if they came without being summoned. So what does she do? She made a wise choice. She called the Israelites, all of them, on a three-day fast and prayer. Three-day fast and prayer. Would you pray for me, she says, so that I could go into the king's presence and then I can save us, pretty much. She, talk, she calls for her people to do that. And then following that fast, she put on her best royal robes. She did her hair up as nice as she possibly could. She got on the right lotion so she didn't stink. And she walked into the king's presence. She approached the king, something unheard of before, and told him of Haman's plot against her people. And guess what? He heard her. He understood her. And he said, okay, that's terrible. Who told you to do this? Who, who issued this? Well, Haman, she said. Well, how dare Haman try to take away my wife? How dare him try to hurt her people? So the Jewish people were saved. Haman was then hanged on the same gallows that he had built for his buddy Mordecai because he wanted Mordecai to die. So he was hanged on those same, same gallows and Esther then received his estate. So like he got hanged on his one, anyways. So it just didn't turn out very good for Haman, but we're, not, we're gonna forget about Haman right now. We're gonna focus on Esther. You know what? Because if Esther simply hid her abilities, her beauty, her heart for her people, the entire people of Israel would have been killed. Oh my goodness. But however, God's purpose was fulfilled in her because she was obedient and used her passion for those Jewish people and her unique ability to speak to the king on their behalf. I'm pretty sure Esther doubted her ability because back then women, women didn't do that kind of stuff, okay? You know, I, she probably doubted her ability to save her people using only her beauty and her influence. I, I'm sure, you know, this is, I had this mental picture, so would you bear with me for a second? I'm sure she thought I should not put on like my best robes and do my hair. I'm sure she probably thought she should get on her Xena warrior princess kind of thing, get her sword and be like, let's get Haman. You know, like I, I think she probably would have done something like that. But she did not have to do that. She simply fasted, prayed, and walked in obedience to what the Lord asked her to do. 
You know what? If God could use beauty and influence to save a nation, what could he do with your heart? What could he do with your abilities? Would you dare to dream as to how God would use your surrendered heart and your abilities? Would you dare to dream about that? Like, I, in a few moments, I'm going to be asking you a bunch of questions, okay? So I'm going to kind of maybe ask some questions, and you don't have to answer them right now, but answer them in your heart, okay? Because, you know what, we need to discover how our, what our heart and abilities are to, what, and what they have to do with the kingdom of God. So my first question is this, and it's a big loaded question. Are you ready? If you had permission to do what you really wanted to do, what would you do? If you had permission to do what you really, really wanted to do, what would you do? Notice I said what and not how. My question isn't how. How is that going to get done? How am I going to do that? How am I going to pay for that? How am I going to... You know what? How is a faithless question because it leaves God out of it completely. How is God's department only ask what? You know what? Maybe your dream is buried beneath like unfulfilling jobs. Or maybe it's, it's buried beneath your list of to-do lists, okay? Finances that seem overwhelming and other stuff that takes our attention off of God and his destiny for our, our lives. On the other hand, though, I, and I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to swing this way, okay, a little bit. But then we're going to swing this way a little bit on the pendulum, too. We don't want to swing too far, dreaming big dreams, accomplishing great things, climbing many mountains for God, you know, all those things. We do want to do that. But we also want to make sure that we dream dreams that align with God's word. Sometimes that desire for personal comfort, success, and glory displaces and replaces God's passion, our passion for God's glory. We don't want to displace or replace that at all, okay? So we want to dream dreams that align with God's will, okay? So we want to be in the middle here. We don't want to be swinging too far one way or another, okay? And then my second question this morning What pursuit would release the passion in my life for God? Hmm. What God-centered dreams can I identify that have been buried by life? What would I attempt to do for God with the rest of my life? These were questions that I asked Myself as a young college student. Now, and I'm, some of you are like, I'm not 20, Krista. I'm like 50 or I'm 90 or whatever. God still has a dream for you. Don't think that that's going, it doesn't matter how old or how young you are, okay? But let me just shed a little light on me because you'll see a little bit later on that, that it, some things are changing, okay? Now, when I was in college, I did not exactly know what I wanted to do with my life. So I went to Valley Forge Christian College with, I did not know. <laughs> I don't know what, uh, what I wanted to do. But I took the summer between my freshman year and my sophomore year, and I, I worked at Walmart in the toy department. And I took that summer when I did not work at Walmart in the toy department to really pray that God would unleash my passion for something, 
God, my major right now, dear Lord, is elementary education. I'm not sure if I really want to do that with the rest of my life, but that was just the only thing that I thought I could do at the time. Because at the time, Valley Forge did not have very many majors. And so I knew I didn't, I, I didn't want to do some other things. So I was like, eh, you know, whatever. But I prayed and I, and I really was like really seeking God through that. And you know what? He ignited in me a passion to teach. And so I went back that next year with, with an incredible drive to teach elementary school students. And I excelled at my classes and I did a really, really, really great job. Okay. And, and it was wonderful. After college, I graduated with my degree and I taught preschool. I, ta- I substitute taught in different school districts. I taught sixth grade, second grade, first grade, and it was my sweet spot. It, I mean, I operated well in that and it was wonderful. I lived and breathed the art of my student, the art of teaching and my students. I mean, I'd bring them home and Josh would be like, I can't hear any more about this. You're driving me crazy because I was just so excited. It was my sweet spot. But then our beautiful baby girls came along and, and I resigned my job at the school district. And, and I, took, I took a position at, at, another ch- at a church that we were at. And, and then we eventually moved here. And since then, though, my, my passion in my heart for teaching public school has, has not been quite as strong as it once was. You know, I taught preschool part-time for two years after Caleb was born, and, and I really loved it. I enjoyed it, but honestly, I wasn't sure if it was something that I had to do. I wasn't sure if it was something that I craved doing. I certainly loved children, and I loved teaching, but I wasn't sure if that was something that I wanted to do all the time, okay? So quite honestly, I'm, I I'm, feel like I'm back at square one, you know? I'm back at this at the second go around, at this heart and abilities kind of thing. So don't, dis, don't be dismayed to think that you are too old or, or too young or too inexperienced or too messed up. You know, don't think any of that kind of stuff because you are not too anything to glorify the Lord with your heart and with your abilities. Now, I did put inside of your bulletin this morning a little assessment. And, and, and again, we, we like these assessments because they give you a good idea, okay? Now, <laughs> yes, Adanya, I see you. I see that hand. Whoop, whoop, you know? <laughs> you know, just did this last week. And, and just like her, I had this great assessment, but it's a front and back. It's not quite as extensive as that one, but I hope that you have taken that because it is useful and it is, it, it, it's, a, it's the precursor to this, okay? So if you haven't done that, like Josh said earlier, get on the website, download it, and take a look at it, okay? You know what? Maybe you aren't 100% sure which you're passionate about. Dare to dream. Maybe you don't know what you're good at. Dare to dream. The Lord will be clear and answer you as you ask him and as you honestly seek him. I want you to be encouraged and challenged today by the book of Psalms. Psalm 37, four through seven says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the new day. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. (laughs) 
There's a story also in the Old Testament about a prophet. He was told to go speak to people about something, and I don't really remember what it is, to be completely honest, and it's just popped into my head right now. But he didn't want to. Guess what God used? He didn't want to speak. Guess what he used? He used a donkey. That donkey spoke words. I don't want a donkey speaking in my place. So God wants to use you. He wants to use your heart. He wants to use your ability. But he also wants us to remember to delight ourselves in him and he will give us the desires of our heart. When I was in college, and I'm gonna go back to college a lot because that's when I did a lot of self-discovery. So I'm kind of heading back there a little bit again. Um, Jess and I, we were on a trip this past weekend and we were talking about some of the songs that they used um, during our chapel services that really meant a lot to us. And this was one that um, I think our music professors used to always play anytime that they would lead worship um, or have like this time of spending at the altar at the end of a service, they would sing one of these songs. And I'm gonna sing one of them for you this morning because this is something that really touched my heart as a, as a college student. And, and I just pray that this would be your prayer too. I remember many, many times at the front of the, of the chapel, at the altar, just praying and singing through these songs because I do want him to use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I don't want you to use a donkey. I want you to use me. Use me, Lord. So I'm gonna sing that this morning. And as I do, I, I pray that this would also be your heart as well.